grateful to see each one here this evening. I will go ahead and tell you some of what we'll preach tonight will be kind of an overlap. Um, we're going to be dealing with backbiters. This comes from Romans chapter 1 and verse 30, looking at some of the sins through the, the, through the Bible. And, and backbiters is one of those things that kind of overlaps. It overlaps into slander. Um, and so uh, you, you get some of that. It's a type of defaming. And uh, we'll get in more into that in just a moment. Uh, but before we begin to read, we do want to look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this day, Father, we're so thankful for the many wonderful things that you've done for us, even for keeping us all safe on the roads. Father, we know that the roads can sometimes be very dangerous. And Father, we thank you for even helping us to have safe travels to the church. Father, to be with one another. Father, we pray that we could encourage one another and provoke unto love and to good works. And Father, that we could grow by your word and be the people that you would have us to be. Help us, Father, to preach and teach your word according to your will. And for the good that is accomplished, let us step aside and give you the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I know you know that in the latter part of Romans chapter 1 that he's going through many sins. We've dealt with several back in, in verse 29 and even before that. Uh, but the first word in verse 30 is backbiters. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, the word here means somebody that talks maliciously about someone who is not present. It's, it's in a way of defaming them. In other words, to attack their character, attack their good name. It's easy to talk about somebody when they're not there. And God says we don't need to be that type of person in backbiting, trying to uh, take away their name, trying to harm them in, in, in a way to hurt their reputation. And, and of course, uh, you're doing it secretively, not things you would do to somebody's face, but secretively. And God has never taught us to be that way. Even when we have a problem with someone, God says if we have uh, you know, a fault with somebody or somebody has offended us, we go between us and them alone and we try to deal with that. Uh, but a backbiter has their own agenda. Sometimes it's politically motivated, and I don't mean that in the world politics. I mean there's sometimes politics within church. I want to make myself better than somebody else, and I want to appear to be better than them. And if I can trash their name down a little bit or make some accusations against them privately uh, and try to tear down their character, their good name, you know, I might can get ahead for myself. Well, that's not what God's people are supposed to do. Uh, we're not to be that way. We're not to be this backbiting type of person trying to tear down somebody else. But keeping that in mind, I'm going to turn over to a few scriptures uh, just that will go along with what backbiting is. Uh, the first thing in James chapter 1, and this gets to where a lot of this comes from, lying, uh, backbiting, um, slandering, gossiping even, and, and gossiping certain, certainly would come into this a lot of times backbiting is within gossiping and while you don't always just find a lot of words about gossiping we know that gossiping is against scripture it's not something that we're supposed to do and that certainly goes along with being a backbiter because you're doing that behind somebody's back you're spreading uh, things about them uh, without their knowledge and and certainly again this all comes from the tongue and in verse 26 of James chapter 1, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious 
and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. God teaches us that we got to learn to bridle our tongue. There's a lot of people that say, oh, I'm very close to the Lord, but yet they don't control their tongue well. And I'm not talking about somebody that's a perfect person. There's none of us perfect. There's none of us uh, that makes a hundred. But we are supposed to, as God's people, to know how to bridle our tongue. Uh, Another word I put on that sometimes is you got to learn how to filter your mouth. You've got to learn how to control that tongue. And there's some things you just don't want coming out of your mouth. And I know there's old sayings that's not necessarily Bible, but I think they come from a Bible, a biblical place in some ways. Uh, you know, if you can't say something nice about somebody, sometimes it's better to say nothing at all. And sometimes when we have a problem controlling our tongue, the best thing we can do with it is put a bridle on it. Put a stopper on it, so to speak. Put a cork on it. Different ways. And there's times when it's just better not to speak. Not to say anything. Uh, you know, there's been times before in my life that I've been angry. And somebody will ask me for an opinion, I'll say, right now it's not a good time for my opinion. <laughs> and the reason I'll say that is because I know that if I speak at that moment, I might say something that I wish I could take back later. And so sometimes the best thing you can do is say, you know what, I I just need to be quiet for a little bit. I just need to wait until I calm down or cool down or I'm going to say something that I'll regret. And sometimes even in conversations with other people, sometimes a name is brought up. There's people that we can have disagreements with. There's people that we can be angry with at times in our life and somebody will say, well, how is that person doing? (laughs) Sometimes it's better to say, well... I, I don't know anything right now, or I have nothing to say about that right now. Sometimes that's the best thing we can do. Just keep our mouth closed. Can you imagine that this world would learn sometimes just to close their mouth? How much more peace we would have in the world? That when we speak, we speak for the edification. We speak to speak truth or speak righteously, even judge righteously. But gossiping and backbiting, this is not the way of God. And so we need to make sure that we're not taking part in those things. I'm going to turn back in the Old Testament. I'm going to look at some scriptures over in Psalms. Psalm 15. And I know there's many places you could turn. I'm not going to try to tax her patience tonight. But just going to try to go through a few quick scriptures. In verse 1. Because I think context matters here when you're reading these verses. But we're going to begin in verse 1 of Psalm 15. It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. A lot of times people say, well, how can I have a special place with God? How can I have a special fellowship with Him? How, how can I, you know, put aside treasure into heaven? Well, one of the things that he's listed here is we don't backbite with our tongue. Sometimes we need to be very cautious. We need to be very careful with it because a man that can control his tongue, he backbiteth not with his tongue. 
That's a special place with the Lord. And there's a lot of things about the tongue that's mentioned all over the Scripture. There's even the virtuous woman. It talks about how she uses her tongue. She speaks words, speaks words of wisdom that come from her tongue. The Bible talks about speaking things that edify, but backbiting does not do that. Backbiting does not edify. It does not help any situation. All it does is try to tear somebody else down. If I think somebody's done wrong or somebody's done evil, but I don't have the courage and the boldness and the love even to go to them and try to be a blessing or a help to them, but I can talk about them to somebody else, my spirituality is pretty low. My spirituality is not what it needs to be. My religion is not what it needs to be, as it said back over in James chapter 1. Turn over to uh, Psalm 101. And here, just going to read verse 5 here. Psalm 101, verse 5. It says, Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Do we think that what we do with our tongue can affect our prayer life? It absolutely can. Does God want to hear our prayer? And now, if we were having a repentant prayer, we know that's a different subject. But does God want to bless and answer our prayer while we're privately, as He says here, slandering our neighbor, backbiting them, doing things to harm them? Is God going to honor our prayers? Is God going to have that close relationship with us while we're walking in this way? I should say instead of walking, while we're talking in this way. Answer that is no. He said, I will cut them off. We know he's not talking about salvation. Once saved, always saved. That salvation is of God. It's the gift of God. That cut off there means I'm not listening to you. You need to see your sin. You need to see your wrong. You need to repent of it. Until that's done, God's saying, I'm not listening. I'm not blessing you during that time. And so we need to understand that our tongue, we think it's hurting somebody else sometimes, but our tongue is hurting ourselves. It's damaging us and it's hindering our relationship with God. And so we need to be very careful with it. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 11. I know there was a couple of places I could turn in the book of Proverbs. But we're just going to turn to Proverbs 11 tonight. I say that, I'm going to have a hard time avoiding some other things in Proverbs. But Proverbs 11, verse 13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Do you know that God does not want us to be a talebearer? Now this is not somebody's committed some heinous crime and I'm trying to be a witness to it. That's not what this is talking about here. 
This is, I heard, information that was not mine to share. Uh, Years ago, I had a conversation with a young man, and I knew some information that he would have liked to have had. And he asked me, he said, why didn't you ever tell that to me? When he found out some things, got back to me, I'm trying to avoid the whole conversation of what it was, but uh, he got with me and he said, you knew this information, didn't you? I said, I did. He said, why didn't you tell me? I said, that was not mine to tell. It wasn't mine to tell anybody else, and let alone him. You know, there are some things that it's not our business to share. I'll give, give an example. My dad was adopted, but he didn't know he was adopted. Uh, he didn't find out till later, and this is how he found out. My dad found out he was adopted because one day at school, his teacher said, I taught your daddy. Well, he goes home, and he tells Papa, he says, this lady said she went to school with you, or that's what it was, she went to school with his daddy. He said, oh, oh, this lady said she went to school with you. He said, I never went to school with that lady. Went back to school, and you know, what my dad thought as a child, you lied to me. She said, no, I meant your biological daddy. That's how my dad found out he was adopted. Was that her business to tell? It wasn't hers to tell. It wasn't her business to do that. It was the parents' business to decide when to tell that child that he was adopted. Not some person at school, not even a school teacher. That's not their place. But a lot of times people will tell things that's not theirs to tell. You know, if if I ran into a guy and I and my wife had talked to his wife and they had found out what baby they were going to have, that's not mine to tell him, that's his wife's to tell him when he gets home. But there's also things that we hear sometimes, sometimes rumors and things that we hear. It's not our business to tell it. And we've got to be wise enough to know there's some things we're not supposed to tell. There's some things we're not supposed to gossip about. There's some things that we're not to share necessarily with others because it's not our business. One of the things that a Christian is supposed to have about them is discretion. And sometimes we hear something we say, oh, I can't wait to share this with somebody. But I first must ask myself, is that mine to share? And that's even if it's some bad news, isn't it? You know, in the world we live in today, that there's a lot of family members that learn about another family member dying. They learn about it on Facebook or some social media post or through the news or something like that. That's how they learn things. I had somebody tell me, they said, I found out my daddy died because somebody posted about it. Did that person need to share that information before they knew the family had shared it? No. Just because we know something doesn't mean we need to tell everybody about it. We need to be respectful and say, look, that person might not have gotten a hold of their family yet. They might have not heard from their child, got to tell their child that's at school or something. They'll need to hear about it from somebody else. And I know I'm combining kind of two messages together with backbiting and gossiping. But our tongue can do a world of damage, a world of hurt, 
And if we don't use it wisely, I'll tell you this, it can tear down more churches than anything we can imagine. And a lot of times because we heard something wrong. You know, there was a time I preached a message one time, and by the time I heard about somebody else speaking about the message I preached on a Sunday, and this has been years back, it was the exact opposite of what I preached. I said, now how in the world did it get around that I preached the exact opposite of what I actually preached? Well, it was intentional meant to hurt me. And look, I know I'm not the first one that's experienced that. I'll tell you this, was there some backbiting on Jesus by the Pharisees and scribes? (laughs) There sure was. There was a lot of conversations they were having about him. They privately tried to kill him on more than one occasion. It can do a lot of damage. Our tongue can do a lot of hurt. Let's look at a few more in Proverbs. Chapter 6. Verse 19. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. These are some of the things that the Lord hates. I know many of you that know this passage of Scripture. But those that sow discord among the brethren, there's been a lot of backbiting done to sow discord among God's people. You know, a lot of times when there's maybe a controversial subject that comes up, and somebody makes a stand one way or the other, whatever the situation may be, there's sometimes that people will go around saying, well, this person that disagrees with you said this about you. And then they'll turn around to the other person, well, this person said this about you. And all they're doing is sowing discord. All they're doing is causing division. Well, that's something that God hates. He hates it. He despises it, and that's why we must be careful with our tongue. Uh, Chapter 18, verse 8. It says here, The words of a talebearer are as wounds. Notice that word, as wounds. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. They cut deep. That's what it's saying. You ever known somebody to be lied about? You know, getting married young sometimes, like me and Susan did, and look, we were engaged for a year and a half, so uh, there was no need for rumors and things, but I've known people, they decide to get married early, and all of a sudden the rumor mill gets going. Y'all probably seen that in your life. Oh, she must be pregnant. That's the reason they're getting married. Tell you what, you can do a lot of hurt. Do a lot of damage with things like that. I've known people just to have a disagreement. Maybe somebody saw a couple arguing. All of a sudden, you know, they might be getting a divorce. They weren't thinking about divorce. They just had a disagreement. But somebody starts spreading things around. You can do a lot of damage. 
you can hurt some people bad. There's all kinds of damage that can be done with the tongue. A talebearer can make some wounds that's hard to get over because they cut so deep. They go all the way to the belly. Over in chapter 26. Verse 20. And this gets back to how we bridle our tongue, how we control it. It says, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. I've even tried to apply this to people's marriages. Well, you know, I, I got to correct this person. I got to do this. And I, I'll say, if you'd just be quiet, it might solve the, the problem. No, no, no. I got to argue. I got to make my point. Yeah, that increases strife. There's some people, instead of just putting more wood on the fire, they're there with a poker poking it, and they're there with one of those little little blowers adding air to it, trying to add, add heat. They're trying to stir up the flames, stir up the coals, make some more heat. But look, God's told us where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. Where there's no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. You know what would solve a lot of the arguments in this world? Is sometimes we'd just be quiet. Sometimes all we're doing is adding wood to the fire. All we're doing is adding on to the problem. We're not helping it. And it's good to remember that in church sometimes. Sometimes there might be a discussion going on. Sometimes the best thing to do is, look, let's just be quiet for a little bit. Let our tempers calm down some. And let's see if God won't work this out. I tell you what, you keep on putting the wood to it, putting the wood to it, putting the wood to it. All that does is make the fire hotter and hotter. That's all it does. And sometimes we got to know how to control things. Let me turn over to one other place. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll begin in verse 20. It says here, For I fear, lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not. Lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strifes, backbitings, whispers, swellings, tumults, and lest when I come again my God will humble me among you, and that I shall be well many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanliness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. He was talking about coming in into the church here and he said, I don't want to find y'all in a condition where you're not spiritual. He was saying, I don't want to come to the church and find debates and envies and wraths and strifes and backbitings and whispers. 
And he went on to add some more. He said, this is not how I want to find you. And notice what he said. He said, if I find you like this, then I'm going to be in a fashion that you won't like. And what he is saying is, if I find this be the case, when I get there, I'm going to have to preach some hard messages. I'm going to have to get on to you. I'm going to have to correct you. One of the words that he said is, I shall bewail many. You know, I don't know a preacher that likes to have to go and have to correct people. I've had to do it a time or two. I've had to preach messages that I would have rather not preached. And sometimes people say, oh, you you wouldn't want to preach something that God was in? No, I'd rather it be in a, a condition I wouldn't have to preach it. Not in that spirit, not in that way. You know, even as a parent, you know, I'll, I'll say this about my children. I don't want to come home and have to whip my children. I, I much prefer to come home and get to hug my children and get to enjoy them. I don't want to see them misbehaving, you know, where I have to take my belt off or correct them or ground them or whatever the situation might be. That's not the way I, I like to be. I know there's times as a parent you have to do those things. You have to correct. You have to instruct. And even as a minister, there's times you have to reprove and rebuke. But you know that's not what you want to do. You don't want to have to come and tear into people. You want to come and try to teach them and encourage them and and be able to uh, help them to walk closer to the Lord, but sometimes if they're just walking in sin, you've got to correct the sin. And can you imagine you come to a place where they're backbiting and this one's after that one and this one, look, and you don't find the love of God in the place. Well, you're left with kind of no other choice, but man, we we got to do some harsh preaching then. He let them know, I don't want to come that way. This is not the way I want to find you. As he was talking to the church at Corinth, he said, but if it is, then I'm going to have to deal with it. You know, it's a shame when God's people don't love like they should. And that's what backbiting really gets down to. If I'm going to try to tear in to my brother or sister in Christ and try to tear down their name or another preacher, and I know there's time to stand against false doctrine and different things, but even in that, uh, you go to them, you try to point, point them to that which is right, and after the first and second admonition, you reject. Uh, but the goal is not to just, you know, rip them apart. It's not that I want to talk evil of somebody or speak in a way that's not friendly or comforting or loving. I know that even rebuking is out of love if it's done correctly. But I don't look for arguments. And I definitely, as a pastor, I I don't look forward to ever having to just get on to people. Uh, That's not what I enjoy. It's uh, not what I believe the church enjoys. I know there's sometimes, there's a need for it. Just the same way there's a time you you have to take a switch or a belt to your kids or they get out of line bad enough. That's not what you want to do.
you'd much rather find them doing right, doing well, doing good. But there has been times that I've walked into churches and this one's talking about that one and that one's talking about this one and this one's running down that one and vice versa and you you got all that going on. Well, you're put in a pretty hard position there to where you say, well, I have to do something. I have to make a stand here. But it's a shame when that happens. And even Paul, as he was talking to the church at Corinth, notice the first three words he said, For I fear. Oh, person of God is not supposed to fear anything. No, there are things you fear. Back, back, I believe in chapter eleven, he was he was afraid that uh, they would they would be give, given over just just like Eve was that they would be deceived. There's fear. I'll tell you this: if you've got children, there's some fears that you have of finding them out of stuff. You know, I I fear that my children might make some bad decisions someday in their life. I fear that they might get around the wrong crowd and do some wrong things. I fear that somebody might come by with fair speeches and fair words and deceive them down a wrong path. You go back to the book of Proverbs and the father was worried about his son. He was worried about the harlots getting his attention. He he was worried about the thieves and the wicked getting, getting his attention. So he tried to instruct him, this you need to avoid, this you need to stay away from because they'll harm you, they'll hurt you. There's some things we should fear, and even as a pastor, there are things that I fear. I fear that Satan will get into the hearts and mind of the people of the church, and there be division. I fear that. I pray about that. I fear that somebody will say, I want my way, and I don't care enough about the other people in the church. I'm just going to ram through whatever I want, get what I, get my way. And can do great harm to the church. Well, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of backbiting. I'm afraid of envy. Whispering. These things that we've preached on, talked about. That's the reason we need to be warned against these things. So that when we see it in our lives, we say, wait a minute. That's not what God would have me to do. That's not what God would desire for me. That's not how God would desire us to behave. And that we consider and say, if I behave like this, what harm could it do to my brothers and sisters in Christ? What harm could it do to some lost soul? And we consider these things and we say, no, I don't need to let that sin within me. I need to keep guard that I don't need to let these things into my life. And so the ultimate caution that we give us tonight is this. Be careful of your tongue. It can do great wickedness if we're not careful with it. In many ways, it can be used to commit sin. And we need to be careful that we bridle that tongue. You say, preacher, I just can't bridle it. I can't control it. I don't have a filter on it. Well, you need to put one there. And you can't tell me the Holy Spirit of God can't help us with that. It can. It can help us to bridle our tongue. It can help us to filter what we allow to come out. 
it can help us even to put our top row of teeth and our bottom row of teeth on it and bite down a little bit to where we say, if I can't say anything good, I'm just going to be quiet for a minute. And if we can learn to do that, it would be a blessing. And I ask you to pray for me. I'm as much of a human being as anybody. And I know the most dangerous instrument I have on my body is my tongue. It can be used for edifying or it can be used for destruction. And what I need to do is make sure I yield myself to the Spirit of God. That it can accomplish His will and not what this flesh wants and certainly not what Satan wants. We need to be very careful with it. That we do not backbite. That we do not gossip. That we do not speak things that we should not. That can cause harms and wounds. And we all know this. Sometimes things that are said out of our mouth can be a worse wound than a punch or a slap or another type of injury. There are people that have had words said unto them that they have never let it go. They've never forgiven. There have been people that have left church because of what another church member said to them. And I know they should forgive and you can say all that, but it also comes back. They shouldn't have had somebody say those things to them. If it was ungodly, if it was not scriptural, if it was not right, And it can do a lot of damage if we're not careful and use our tongue in a way that brings glory and honor to the Lord. And again, I do know this, and I do have to say this. I know there's times of rebuke. I know there's times of reproving. But even the Bible says when you've got a fault or ought against thy brother, the first place you go is to them, not to everybody else. Backbiting should not be what we do. It should not be what's known about us. But love, one for another, should be known about us, even when we have disagreements. I ask for your prayers. Let's pray for one another. And if you have a burden, anything upon your heart tonight, we'd ask you to come while I have a verse of a song.